0: Science Faction is a show about unbelievable discoveries. Science Faction! Faction!
1: You're listening to Science Faction.
0: Dalal, what do you picture when you think about ants? I see myself as a kid in summer. I'm outside, holding one of those looking glasses which I had taken from my mom's desk. And I'm dying to find out if what my sister told me is true. Can I really set that little thing on fire?
1: (laughs) What about you? Ants also remind me of a summer afternoon. I would sit outside for what seemed like hours, just watching ants build. They'd go in and out of the ground, leaving empty-handed but always coming back, arms totally full. They looked like amazing
0: builders. They truly are amazing builders. Which is why we're going to spend our very first Science Faction show talking to you about the best ant builders known to science. Fire Fire Ants! I'm Andrea. I'm Dalal. And today on Science Faction, we bring you Fire Ant Ant Physics. Physics. Science Faction 101.
1: We speak in the thousand most used words. The researchers we talk to don't. These thousand words come from
2: The Updor 5 text editor
1: Made
0: by scientists.
2: <laughs> Theo Sanderson
0: We build on these accepted words using prefixes and suffixes And we allow the use of numbers and
1: names From the names of people and places To the names of life forms and scientific
0: fields We see these few little exceptions as key to bringing new stories factually and informatively And now for the show Ants come from wetlands in the Brazilian Amazon, where it rains a lot. And by a lot, I mean up to three meters every year. Can you
1: imagine that kind of rain? That's more rain than we get each year in Montreal, Seattle, and London
0: all together. You might be able to climb on top of something to escape three meters of rain. But these ants are tiny, growing only six millimeters tall. So when it rains as much and as often as it does in the Amazon, they need to have an escape plan. And their plan
1: is so good that they have become rock stars in the world of science. Today, we want to take
0: you there. Imagine yourself as a fire ant. You're underground, just hanging out, doing your ant business. When all of a sudden, your home is filled with water, and before you know it, it's up to your neck. There's no
1: obvious way out. But you're a fire ant, so you're gonna find one.
0: You grab hold of the ant beside you. And she grabs hold of the ant beside her. And she grabs hold of the ant beside her. And so on and so on until you've reached the ants that have made it above ground. And here is where the story gets interesting. Once out, still surrounded by water, with more rain falling. The ants don't just cut and run. They go into this. Formation: some side by side, others on top of each other, forming a sort of
2: ball.
1: Meet one of the world's top fire ant researchers.
2: Uh, my name is David Who, pronounced Who like the British sitcom Doctor Who.
0: He first heard about fire ants. Polynopsis
2: invicta. When he was in grad school at the Georgia Institute of Technology. He
0: now works with Craig
2: Tovey. He's a he's a mathematician, in particular, he's a modeler
0: and he used to work with.
2: Nathan Mallott, he's the first brave soul to really study fire ants the way we study them, which is from the perspective of engineers.
1: Together, this team has figured out a lot about the physics of these fire ants. To do this, they had to bring the ant world into their lab.
0: They brought a ton of ants from the great outdoors of Georgia, right into Georgia Tech.
2: At any given time, there'll be about 600,000 ants in our lab, maybe five or six colonies. A colony is about 100,000 ants which is about two cups.
1: A word of warning. Do not try this at home, kids.
2: Fire ants are very hard to keep um, in a container.
1: And they won't delay before setting up shop
0: just about anywhere.
2: And we have to deal with these emergency calls all the time because ants are always escaping our lab. <laughs>
0: that sounds very funny. One of the first things they tried to figure out is how this magical
2: ant fall works.
0: So they put thousands of ants into the water to see how they'd react. And what happened? the ants just stayed on the surface. Minutes passed with some ants under the water and others on top. You'd think that the ones underneath would run out of air, but they didn't. And here's how David explains it.
2: What the ant does, if you look very closely at images of an ant underwater, it actually traps air bubbles all around its body. I mean, imagine if you went underwater and you had all these sort of... Um, Christmas ornaments of bubbles stuck to you. Well, the ant has so many that, first of all, those bubbles help buoy it back up to the surface and breathe um, underwater like a fish. And so that's how the ants survive when they're underwater. They don't drown.
0: This ant ball can actually stay in the water not just for minutes, or days, or even weeks.
2: These rafts, sometimes they float out to the ocean. So imagine it's sort of this lost ship. And they'll survive for months and they'll actually start eating, eating their eggs and eating their babies and things like that.
0: More fire ant physics, right after this break.
2: Hi, I'm astronaut Chris Hadfield. You're listening to Science Faction.
0: It's in part thanks to this remarkable ability that the ants have moved out of Brazil and all the way to Georgia, where Doctor Who studies them today. And get this, the ants didn't stop at Georgia, They're now on every continent, except for Antarctica. That's amazing! That's amazing! That's amazing! That's really amazing! (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool!
1: (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm moving on. (laughs) But that's not even the exceptional part. It's what they do getting from one place to the next that is unlike any other animal. If on their way they encounter a roadblock, maybe a fallen tree in the water, or a space that's too big for any one of them to jump across, they band forces and build a passage over whatever gets in their way. You might be picturing the ants building the way that we do, only using sticks and leaves instead of two-by-fours. Yeah, like the way beavers use pieces of wood to block running water. But what sets fire ants apart from the rest is that they don't need stuff to build with.
2: They act as little miniature building materials. So they're both construction workers and they're the bricks.
1: And to top it off, they're also the repairmen. If a crack forms, the ants immediately move around to fill it in. Fire ant buildings therefore have the ability to self-repair.
0: Just imagine if our buildings were able to fix themselves like the ants' buildings can.
1: We wouldn't have to worry about old falling down buildings like the Leaning Tower of Pisa ever coming to the ground. Its building blocks would just keep putting themselves back together again. There's
2: been a lot of interest in building what's called self healing materials, but it's the idea of having materials like bricks and concrete behave a lot more like living materials.
1: Okay, let's revisit the facts. First, we have a group of fire ants that can stay on water for months at a time. Second, These ants are able to use themselves as building blocks in getting from water to safety. And third, fire ant buildings have the ability to self-repair.
0: That's already a lot, but who thinks that there's a lot more that we can learn from these ants?
1: He hopes that his research will tell us how to build tiny computerized blocks that mirror the ants' activity and repair themselves, or maybe even put themselves together. Just like the ants do. So... He and his team run all kinds of small experiments. They press, push, and pull the ants in all directions. They even drop them to understand how they put themselves back together again.
2: So we're really interested in quantifying how good building materials the ants are. It's basically kind of like a torture chamber for ants. That's what our lab is. It's kind of the unofficial motto.
0: But whose team is doing more than just putting the ants through hell? They're doing serious fire ant physics.
2: Imagine you have ants and they built a bridge, and we'll subject that bridge to shaking. So we'll have these very high persistent shakers we can change the amplitude and vibration of the shaking to similar that the ants would experience in nature.
0: They act like a really strong wind,
1: or like breaking waves. To see how the ants react, they make a movie.
2: We basically use high-speed video. These cameras are record um, 5,000 frames per second, so almost more than 100 times faster than a regular camera. And we can record where each ant goes in the bridge, and we can record how quick, how much the bridge um, changes in shape due to the, due to the um, stimuli applied.
0: So then, they make some popcorn, watch the movie, and look very closely at each still. And what caught their eye had to do with the physical state of the ants. Or should we say
2: states? Um, The answer of what we call a viscoelastic fluid.
0: A visco-what? Take another listen.
2: Um, The answer of what we call a viscoelastic fluid. You
0: know, I don't really get what that means.
2: Um, That means they have the properties of both solid materials and fluids. So one question we asked are, are they a fluid or a solid? Seems like a pretty simple question. Well, it turns out that they're both. So ants are both a fluid and a solid. So it depends on what kind of conditions they have.
0: But so what? What's the big deal
1: about being both? What do you mean, what's the big deal? This is an important discovery. Fire ants are the only known living thing able to flip between physical states.
2: This viscoelastic property is very important in dealing with an uncertain environment. Uh, One example is surviving floods. So imagine this ant raft is um, flowing along And um, let's say it it strikes a stick. It could become stuck, adhered to the stick, but what happens, imagine it would strike the stick and it would actually, over a long period of time, it would flow around the stick and then keep on going. So this property prevents objects from getting in the the raft's way, and it also reduces the force.
1: Understanding the physics of fire ants is a big step towards humans being able to match the way that ants
0: build and make our own buildings that can self-repair. This reminds me of how Velcro was inspired by burdock burrs. You know when you walk through the woods and those tiny little pointy things stay stuck all over your clothes and in your hair? Oh yes, just like Velcro. Science is always learning from plants and animals. And in this story, the physicists are learning from fire ants in the hopes of making new types of building blocks that self-repair, or perhaps even put themselves together. This is the field of modular modular robotics. Robotics.
2: So, imagine you have a bucket of small robot parts, and um, you dump it on the ground, and these small robots would link their bodies together and stand up and eventually build a larger, more capable robot. Well, this is one of the grand challenges of the robotics community. Um, Robots that can really link together in a fashion that's similar to the way our body has linked small entities together and performing um, one grand function.
1: This could be very important for space discovery as NASA is no longer sending many people to space. With this technology, we could send a single set of computerized parts that can put themselves together in different ways and perform many different jobs.
0: Back here on Earth, this same technology could be used to make one bucket of stuff that does lots of everyday jobs, like cleaning the car or cutting the grass. But we're not quite there yet. So in the meantime, the next best thing might just be to keep learning from those fire ants.
1: I think David said it best, so we'll give him the last words of the day.
2: I mean, a lot of things that ants can do are only what roboticists could dream of. So imagine 100,000 individual entities, and um, they all combine together, and they form one task. There's an inherent robustness in having lots of different parts. You can take any one of these ants out, and the structure will still be there, and it'll still perform its functions. And there's also this idea of, I mean, this is getting into um, philosophical things, but the ants are an example of an emergent system. So when the ants build a bridge, or they build a raft, or they build a tower, the way they build is very different from the way um, we build things. So there's no sort of construction worker, there's no boss, no leader. The building emerges from the ants following these simple rules and just interacting I mean, you can imagine it's similar to the way your brain works. Your brain is composed of individual cells that really just, all they do is fire. um, And they fire according to whether they're fired upon. You have one or two cells, you don't really get very much, same with one or two ants, but when you put 100,000 together, you start to get things that can think, and then you got Shakespeare and things like that. And so, understanding the physics behind how these emergent things come about from these simple interactions, that's that's sort of also one of the big um, interests in why we're studying ants, too.
1: That's a wrap. Thanks for checking out Science Faction's first show, Fire Ant Physics. We're done for now, but we do want to hear from you. Get in touch with us on Twitter at SciFactRadio. And search for us on Facebook.
0: Science Faction is Dalal Hanna and Andrea Reed, with sounds and music made by Nick Schofield and is supported by Jeanne Volontaire. Visit us online at sciencefaction.ca. Okay,
2: bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Bye, thanks again.